Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 136 of The Kickabout. Um, unusual intro for this one because it's technically not an official podcast because mm. we're, we're doing a bit of a special here as we preview the start of the season. Um, just before we get going, final opportunity really in the next sort of 24 to 36 hours to get into our fantasy league. So make sure you get involved in that. You will be winning a mystery uh, kit. We didn't actually have to give one out last season because he never came forward. Um, so it saved us a bit of money. And um, But yeah, the, the mystery kit there is on offer. The social media um, post is out. So make sure you go and check it out and get involved in that league before it's too late. At the very least, get your team created and you can join. I'll probably turn off the new joins a couple of weeks into the season and, and stop people from joining from that point. Um, and of course, tomorrow night, by the time this goes out on air... We will have our series finale of LMA Manager live on YouTube. Loads of fun, loads of stupidness, loads of forfeits. Loads of shots. Loads of shots. <laughs> yeah, God knows what else. Um, yeah, we'll have that all available on YouTube from 8 o'clock. And of course, you can catch it on a rerun if you're not around. Right, okay. Well, no stat either. Again, not not, not an official uh, podcast, right. this one. Um, so... The purpose of this podcast is to go through the transfers, go through, talk about some of the preseason stuff, and also preview some of the weekend's uh, fixtures along the way. So there's going to be a bit of a scattergun approach to this one. Um, we're not proposing to talk about Arsenal Man City because we sort of covered both of them off in the main show on Monday or on Tuesday. Um, so if you want to sort of find out our feelings about those transfers, then um, do make sure you um, hit up that that podcast we might mention them in passing if, if the conversation goes as such but we're not planning on going into those guys in any kind of deep way um so um i hand over to dan then dan is in charge of the numbers effectively mm. um and we'll uh we'll start um we'll start in no particular order i think with brighton okay um been very busy uh both in and out um, obviously, they lost McAllister quite early on to Liverpool. Yeah, that one was on the wall for a while before yeah. the season finished. 35 mil, though. I feel, feel like that's quite a good bargain for I Liverpool. I believe that was contractual. Mm, so right, okay. um, I don't think Brian had a great deal of, of choice in that one. Um, I, that it kind of links onto a, a Liverpool chat that needs to be had as well mm. about the state of their pre-season and their preparation. Um, I don't know how I feel about this transfer with McAllister because... As stupid as it sounds, given that he's a World Cup winner, I never really felt like his performances in Brighton were that good to justify a move to a team like Liverpool. Mm. It's going to sound really weird because I know he was rated highly, um, but I don't. I don't know. I don't know whether he was. I don't know whether he was that good. I mean, that sounds crazy I'm to say. I'm not really sure what his position actually is. I think he's like a. Is he like an eight? A box to box well, type player. He, he played as like a number ten. He played as a number. He played as like the CDM quite a few times. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't know if he is. Maybe he is that box to box number eight can defend and attack. I mean, if he's got those abilities, I mean, let's be honest, Liverpool need mm. those qualities. Yeah. Yeah. Um, given the summer they've had, but for me. <laughs> I'm not sure that he's... But then again, I said the same when they bought um, Diego Jota from yeah. Wolves. And look how good that signing turned out to be. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm not for one wishing him that it doesn't work. I'm just maybe more questioning whether or not he was the the right choice of Liverpool because he seems like more of a risk than perhaps other signings would have been. Mm. It's a, maybe 35 million. Maybe they don't see that as a massive roll of the dice these days. 
I don't know. Yeah. Um, but they've, yeah, they've got a lot of work to do anyway. Yeah, another one that's recently moved out is Sanchez as well, Robert Sanchez to Chelsea. So he he had a falling out, right? Because he lost his place to steal towards the end of last season. Yeah, did he fall out with him or did he just not? Because what I've read before was that Deserbi just thought that Steele was better from playing out at the back than Sanchez was. I mean, maybe. Yeah, maybe so. Um, it's weird, isn't it? Because Sanchez was one of those goalkeepers you would probably put in the same bracket as people like David Raya. Mm. You know, he was this sort of like... I think he's quite young and he's not an old goalkeeper, is he, Sanchez? No, I don't think so. So it's an odd one. Um, what do we think about what he's going to be at Chelsea? Because he's not, he's not going to be number one, is he? No, which is strange. I mean, obviously, you'd probably prefer to be number two at Chelsea than Brighton, but although at the moment, I don't know if he would. <laughs> yeah, jury's out on that yeah, one. But I'd, you would have thought... I mean, to be fair, I think he's more... He's closer to being number one for Spain than Kepper is, so... Hmm. Yeah, an interesting one there. Um, I think Poch might just be covering his bases there. Because they got rid of Edouard Mendy, mm. uh, that that whole situation was weird with Chelsea. Because Edouard Mendy looked like they nailed down number one yeah. for so long, then Potter came comes in and and changes it around and goes back to Kepper, mm. and then Mendy loses his place completely, and now he's buggered off to Saudi Arabia. Yeah. So that was an odd one. Kepper, I still don't believe he is a keeper good enough to get Chelsea back to where they want to be. Mm. Is Robert Sanchez good enough? Don't know. I think he's good at playing with the ball at his feet, isn't he? Who, um, Kepper? No. Well, no. Um, yeah. <laughs> Sanchez. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah. I mean, back to your point about whether the manager, Deserby, thought that he was actually good at the ball at his feet compared to Steele. I don't recall any times where Sanchez was caught out. Because Brighton have been a ball-playing team yeah, for a long for time. A while, yeah, especially in the Potter. Yeah, so was Sanchez... Like a high, I don't remember any high-profile mistakes where he's giving the ball no. away. You know things like Allison at Liverpool have done has done from time to time. Mm. So yeah, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see on that one. Yeah, um, a bit. I mean, a, a signing they've made that has actually hit the ground running is João Pedro from Watford. I was surprised that no one went for him when Watford got mm. relegated. To be honest, because he looked like a bit of a sh- you know the one of very few shining lights for Watford. So I think this one, I've been very, to- I've been toying with FPL with Gel Padre because mm. I feel like... He's cheap as well. Yeah. It's like 5.5. And I don't know, I'm looking at that Brighton but team. they've got like four strikers, that's the problem. I don't know what's, what strike force he's going to go with because you've got... You've got Ferguson, Ferguson Dav and Welbeck. Yeah. And Gel Pedro. And Gel Pedro. But he can play wing Gel Pedro, can't yeah. he? Yeah. Um, and you got people. And then like you got Sonny March, Matoma, and CISO, yeah. Um, so and that Buen Buenadito, whatever his name. Yeah. Is. So they've got options, Brighton for sure. Um, in a similar way to to Klopp, I just sorry to Guardiola, just don't know what side he's going to pick. No. Um. So we'll have to yeah you know, wait and see on that one. But what role do you think uh, James Milner is going to be playing at Brighton? <laughs> <sighs> I don't know. I feel like. Did they buy him for his ability or did they just buy him for his experience? I think they bought him for his experience in Europe. In Europe. Yeah. Um, I think that he will be invaluable to them in the dressing room mm-hmm. in, in a similar way like Adam Lallana will be, but for different reasons. Mm. Um, I still think he'll play a role. I mean, he's 
incredibly fit. We, we all read about the you know the constant breaking of records yeah. and being top of all the fitness charts in, in Liverpool, even at his advancing years. Um, so I think he has a role to play. I just don't know how they're going to deploy him. Would they deploy him at fullback? Would they put him in a in a midfield role? I don't know where you'd put him in. Yeah, I don't really know. Well, who's played his right back for him? For Brighton. Is it still, what's his name? It's Lambert. Not, um, is it not Lambert, is it? Lamptey. Lamptey. He's not really been playing there, though, is he? Um, I think it was that guy that began with like a V. Yeah. Not so sure. I know it's opinions, the left back. Lamptey's been quite injured, that's why. Yeah. So, so I don't know. But Gross obviously, with, there, yeah, yeah. with European football, just having the depth is obviously a big thing anyway. And we just talked about their attacking options, so mm. maybe Milner's come in as a midfield slash defensive cover because he can play literally anywhere. Yeah, I mean he's obviously going to be like a cup player, isn't he? Mm. Um, yeah, another team that are sort of well, I just sorry, just before you move yeah, on to a different team, on. just want to make mention of the fact that how important it is for Brighton to keep hold of Caicedo. Yes, yeah, sorry, I forgot that. Um, yeah. You know, he's been heavily linked with Chelsea. They've had several bids rejected. Mm. They just signed a new contract as well, isn't it? Which is why Brighton are playing hardball mm. because they know they've got him for like five years or something mm. like that. I also didn't realize that Kaiser is like twenty one. Is he? He's. Right, I'm okay. sure he is. Let me let me Google this. I'm Watch sure. Him be like thirty. Moises <laughs> <laughs> Kaiser. He's twenty one. Wow. I for some reason I thought he was about twenty seven. Yeah. Um. I don't know. I don't think that's because he necessarily looks twenty seven. I just think that I just maybe thought maybe his mm. his uh, ability on the pitch. And his commanding presence made him yeah. like feel like a more experienced player. Um, but yeah, that that's massive. If if Brighton can keep hold of him, I don't think this is going to be too over exaggerated to say. But I think Brighton's success this season could rest on whether they keep Caicedo or not. I think he's that big a player for them. Yeah. A little bit like Rice with West Ham. That if he leaves, that is a Fucking huge hole to fix. Especially with McAllister having gone as well. McAllister going as well, yeah. yeah. Another midfield, centre midfield area. Um, I know Brighton have got they've had this knack over the last few years of being able to find these gems around for, for pennies. Mm. But at some point, that's going to run out. Um, and there's a difference between finding a hidden gem to fill a, winging, a winger position that mm. wasn't, you know, desperately needing to be filled. It's another thing to replace a player like Caicedo. Yeah. Um, so... Yeah, I think that's massive. If they can keep hold of him, play hardball. Um, I, if I were Brighton, I would say to Caicedo, look, I don't care if they offer 150 million. We're in Europe for the first time in this club's history. We want you to play for us and be part of this journey. Mm. If we have a dreadful season, get knocked out early, don't get into Europe, we'll have a conversation about it next yeah. season. Maybe you know we'll we'll give you a, a gentleman's agreement. I know that word's used a lot. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think you. It's one of those football manager bits where you're like play for us for this season <laughs> yeah. see how we get on so but yeah um, yeah team I was going to move on to next is another one that's not that they're new to Europe that would probably insult a lot of fans but um, Aston Villa yeah they've been cooking uh, under Emery like they, they, in pre-season they've been really really good um, from what I've from what I've seen and what I've been what I've been told um, yeah I must admit I mean we We've said over the last couple of years that Aston Villa are a team that have probably underperformed given the money they've spent and the players they brought in. But it feels like now they're finally beginning to realise that potential in that squad. Mm. And Emery's been unbelievable for them. They've got a, quite a young squad as well. Really exciting players. And that Moussa Diaby. Moussa Diaby. Really what a fucking signing that's yeah. going to be. Uh, and also, was it they get? Um, who was the 
Pau Torres, Pau wasn't Torres, it? yeah. From Villarreal. And Yuri Tielemans on a free. Yuri Tielemans on a free. They've had a, a banging transfer mm. window. And the difference is with them is that they haven't needed to go out and buy eight players. They've just needed a few. Mm-hmm. And they've added real quality yeah. in those players. So I really think that Villa could be one to watch this season. I think I think in that conference league, I think they could be worth a tenner to win that. Mm. Um, I think they have... You know, if they can keep players like Leon Bailey fit. The only question mark for me is that striker role. What can, Watkins? can Watkins do it for an entire season across multiple competitions? Mm. He's very, very streaky. You know, we saw it last season where he went on that incredible run, broke a few records, yeah. and then didn't score for about eight games. I don't know if, if Villa are going to have that sort of season again. I feel like they can't. They've got another recognised striker. Does Ramsey play Jacob Ramsey? Is he a striker? That is a centre mid, isn't he? So that might be the only, that could be the final piece in the puzzle for, mm. for Villa. If they can find a, a, a striker who could score them, you know, 15, 20 goals alongside Watkins. Because Watkins can play anywhere. I know, yeah, I know he, he likes can. to play yeah. number well, nine. He used to be a winger, didn't he? So. Yeah. Um, but I feel like it, you're not just buying a striker to replace Watkins. You're, you're buying one to compete, but also to rotate. Because mm. you don't want Watkins playing twice a week for the entire season if they go deep in the conference league. Yeah. So I think that they definitely need another striker to come in, unless there's a striker in their books that we're completely forgetting about. Um, but yeah, I think if you're looking for a team to to pin your bets on a little bit as a, as a bit of a surprise package, I think that look no further than Aston Villa, I think. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, not really any noticeable outgoings for Aston Villa other than Ashley Young, who's gone to Everton. Yeah, I mean, that's the most Sean Dyche signing I've ever heard. <laughs> um, yeah, and again, another... Another positive, really, because it's continuity. It's it's the same group of players, but it's not stale because they're bringing in new recruits. Mm. You know, who was the... There was one team that we... Uh, actually, Liverpool is probably the classic example, isn't it? Where they don't really bring in anybody and the team goes stale. Mm. And Liverpool suffered with that this season. And I feel like Villa bringing in those three players will be enough to give them fresh injection. They're obviously, they're all going to bang up for it because they're in Europe anyway. Um, yeah, just a Villa is a very positive place to be right now. And if I was a Villa fan, I would be very, very excited for yeah. this season. Yeah. Um, moving on down, sort of alphabetically, uh, I think the next club to go to will be Chelsea. Made their, well, they've added to their 50 man squad this season. <laughs> Honestly, look, I mean, I know it's not great for podcasts because people can't see it, but look at the outgoings, really. <laughs> I'm still scrolling. That's absolutely mad, <laughs> isn't it? That is absolutely mad. Although the problem is, there's a lot of those would never have been in the 25 no. man squad anyway. But yeah, yeah. look, we, we said about Chelsea anyway, we said they needed to sort that squad out. Um, I also thought, by the way, that Thiago Silva had gone. I thought he had, yeah. Um, and apparently he's still there. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't, know, I don't know when that happened or how that happened, but maybe, maybe some other one year deal or something. Um. I, the, the biggest surprise for me, actually, is not the fact that Chelsea have offloaded a bunch of players. Now, there is question marks around some of these transfers because of the, the Saudi Arabian mm. links and whether they're um, using their links with Saudi Arabia to help them get out of financial fair play trouble. Conversation for another day, that one. But I was I'm actually, I've been quite surprised at the l- number of players they've brought in because... They did have an awful lot of players in in a number of positions, and I felt like that actually they didn't need to bring in that many. Mm. Um, however, 
from what I've seen and heard in pre-season, obviously Lee's been keeping us up to date on how they've been doing as well. I think Chelsea are reasonably well-placed, you know. Yeah, I watched um, some highlights in one of their games the other day and they were playing like really good sort of tick-attacker football, actually. Um, and both Nkunku and Nicholas Jackson look really good. Yeah. I mean, Nkunku's injured at the moment. I don't know how long he's out for, but he's looked very good. Yeah, I mean, they are... I suspect those two are going to be fairly high pick rates mm. in, in Fantasy League at the start of the season. I did all, I did see the other day when I was looking at my team that Nkuku had a little yellow exclamation mark. I think he was like 75% yeah. chance of playing. So I've gone with Nicholas Jackson to start with. Um, yeah, I, I think that for all the the laughing at Chelsea that we did last year, for all of the, the, the banter that Chelsea fans had to endure last year, I think we might see a fairly dramatic shift mm. in Chelsea this year. I think that w- what they've got now is they've got a vastly more experienced manager with dealing with players of that level, that quality. We've seen a different tactic from the transfer strategy. It seems like they're being a little bit more thoughtful with who mm. they're buying. They're not just going out and buying um, you know, anybody that they can get their hands on. Um, and I think they have shifted a lot of their deadwood. I think there's still one or two players that I'm... Is, is, is Ziyech still there? Because he didn't he fail, yeah, he fail, fail his medical. medical. Well, do you want me to quickly run through the most notable? So mm. obviously Havertz has gone uh, to Arsenal. Coventry. That's probably their best bit of business. Yeah, Co- well, Mason Mount to United for 60 million. <laughs> um, Co- well, at least he's half decent. <laughs> Kovacic has gone to City. Loftus-Cheek's gone to Milan. Pulisic has gone to Milan. Koulibaly's obviously gone, Mendy's gone, Aubameyang's gone, Azpilicueta's gone, N'Golo Kante's gone. Um, DL. Yeah, and then the rest, I assume, are just youngsters. Um, mm. Yeah, but I feel like if you look at the players that have gone, the vast majority of those, with the exception of a few, are all ageing yeah. players. Yeah. Um, I, I, I wonder, we spoke about this before, I wonder how much Chelsea are going to be reliant this time round on Chilwell and Reese James because we've seen so many times over the last sort of 18 months that their form drops mm. off a cliff when Reese James and Ben Chilwell get injured. And yeah. Unfortunately, they have both had fairly significant injuries recently. Can they survive with, with those players being injured again? Um, now, having a striker that can actually fucking finish will be a massive plus point to them because it, a lot of their times last season, it wasn't because they weren't creating chances. It's just because they couldn't fucking finish them. Mm. So, and Cuckoo and Nicholas Jackson um, could be two of the best signings in this transfer window, I think, because of the impact that they're going to have. Mm. Um, spare a thought though for Lukaku. He's still at Chelsea. Yeah. He's still at Chelsea He's a player. bargain on FPL. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do you know what I jokingly had a look the other day he's, he's got a pick rate of 0.2% I know so there are it. actually managers out there that are picking Romelu Lukaku Cancelo's got 0.6 surely I mean unless they're about 3 million you're just looking to just save some money and just yeah. sort of burn a player Cancelo's but... like one of the most expensive defenders in yeah, the game it's ridiculous isn't it um, yeah I mean I can, only, I can only think that's a bot account it's just a randomly generated thing. I don't know. Mm. But uh, no, I, I think um, I think Chelsea could be one to watch. Um, I mean, we're going to do, we've got, we're going to have to do some YouTube videos anyway. Mm. We usually do like our table predictions and stuff. Be very interested to see where we both put Chelsea compared to other teams. Mm. I suspect 
a lot higher than they were last year. 11th. <laughs> um, one team I wanted to pick up on just very quickly because of one player in particular was Crystal Palace. Yes. Wilfred Zahar finally left. Gone to Galatasaray. I think we talked about this, didn't we, in our mm. group chat. Um, it's sort of a strange move, but it isn't. Mm. Um, it's strange because he's gone from being a Premier League stalwart, really. You know, he's been there for so long, to going and playing in a fairly obscure league mm. um, with the greatest you always respect. See, yeah, the Turkish teams is like the end of your career teams, don't you? Yeah. Um, and... I'm intri- I'm intrigued to know the reason that he went there. I can only you obviously I think mentioned this. I think Lee did as well that it might be a, like a, a it was his best best chance to play Champions League football. Mm. Um, I don't. I'm assuming Galatasaray are in the Champions League this year. I don't. <laughs> I have no idea. Don't really um, keep up to date with Turkish. No, football. it's not on the top of my uh, feed. Um, but I, I would have been surprised given his abilities if he didn't have um, options in Europe. To play for a European yeah, team, well, maybe not Champions yeah, yeah. League. Then maybe that's the key key factor. Yeah, here. maybe. Um, but uh, I, th- I think from Crystal Palace's point of view, I think this is probably about as good a moment to lose Zahara as they've ever been in. Um, On a free, there's a free is disappointing, but the, you know they've had him for so long. Mm. They've had value for money. They didn't need to cash in on him. Like you know, yeah. he wasn't a superstar like Harry Kane is to Spurs, for example. No. Um, and the reason I say that it's probably the best time to lose him is that I feel like their squad and their players are in the best spot to cope with what he leaves behind. And I'm looking at Eze and Elisa. Mm. I think the qualities those two bring to that team can easily replace what Zahar has left yeah. behind. Um, now, obviously, if either one of those two players gets injured or leaves, different story. Um, and jury is still out on what Hodgson is going to do mm. in terms of his tactics. Obviously, he surprised us all at the end of last season with his approach mm. but he might have just done that because he thought he was only going to be there for six games or whatever yeah. it was and just yeah. thought he'd throw caution to the wind now he's got an entire season to plan for is he going to revert to type yeah let's hope not because Palace were actually quite interested they, and they were entertaining to watch yeah. um, and I think that if you're if you're going to go down that route the David, or we'll call it the David Moyes route <laughs> um, you're going to completely nullify Eze and Elise. Um, by playing that sort of style of football, mm. so for Palace fans, I hope not. Um, but I, I don't. I actually don't think Palace fans will be too upset about Zahar going. I really don't. I think that he was, he had that. Was he? Is he thirty years old? Thirty-one years yeah, old? Something like so, that. Yeah. They've had. They've had him in his prime for a long time. He's been a brilliant servant to them. I think that they'll wish him well on his merry, mm. merry way. I, I suspect. Uh, moving on then to Liverpool. Two signings for them. So yeah. Far. How do you pronounce the other guy's name? I was just going to say Dominic. Not <laughs> Is it Zavazlai? Something like yeah, that? Yeah, that's a good try. Good try. Um, He's Hungarian, I think. I, I, do you know anything about him? Yeah, I've put, used him and stuff on like FIFA. I know he's been decent for Leipzig. He is quite a good player, actually. And what's his More role? attacking than... He's an attacking player. Yeah, yeah it's, it's interesting. I was talking with Simon today at work about Liverpool, and he... And I've also, there was another person at work, a Liverpool fan, who said the same thing. He said that everybody knew, every single person in world football knew that Liverpool needed a bit of a shake-up mm-hmm. in midfield. What I don't think anybody expected was them basically to revamp the entire thing. Mm. Um, now, we talked about evolution and revolution. This is this is revolution. This is a complete changing of the guard. You've lost Henderson. You've lost 
uh, Fabinho, you've lost um, uh, Oxlade Chamberlain is mm. gone as well. Um, you've lost Navi Cater. Um, I think there's one or two others that might have gone that I can't think of either. Have you got a list of uh, who I have, went? Yeah. Um, Milner, Milner, obviously. Yeah. yeah. Um, not he, I don't think he played centre mid, but Fabio Cavallo. Carvalho, he's gone out alone, hasn't he? Yeah. So, but I mean, either way, what you what you're talking there? I mean, they're normally midfield three outside of Thiago. That's their entire midfield that's disappeared. Mm. Um, and Thiago, as good a player as he is, is very injury prone. Yeah. So, I'm, I'm a bit worried for Liverpool. I have to say. Yeah, they don't seem to have a CDM. Unless they think McAllister's going to do it, maybe. Uh, or Trent. Yeah. Because obviously, when Trent was deployed as a midfielder towards the end of last season, is he going to come into that midfield? But he's been, all the friendlies been playing right back still, right? Um, and a lot of the goals have been coming from down his side. And I saw a thing the other day that um, I can't remember it word for word, but um, Liverpool hadn't managed to keep a clean sheet, and they've not. They went two 0 up against Bayern, I think, and then ended up conceding two before half time. And every time they went up, they conceded. Mm. So. Sounds like a continuation of the same problems they yeah. had last year defensively. Um, yeah, I, 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 as we talked earlier, the jury's out for me on McAllister. Um, Zabaslai, we know nothing about. Even if they're bringing another one, the, the problem they've got is that um, and Simon actually used the uh, the FIFA team chemistry um, <laughs> example, and you can have a football manager uses it as well, is that when you've got a brand new midfield, that have never played together, mm. the chances of them hitting the ground running is quite small. Yeah. So Liverpool are trying to get back into the Champions League. They're trying to become challengers again, no doubt. They're doing it with a completely untried and untested midfield. And you've got one midf- one midfielder who's played for Leipzig, who were a good team in Germany, mm. got a player that played for Brighton, a good team in England. I don't think you would throw the word elite at either of them. And I would have thought that Liverpool would be after elite midfielders. Bearing in mind, they were linked very heavily with Jude Bellingham for most of the summer yeah, and didn't yeah. manage to get that over the line. So, What a story that would have been. Yeah, I mean, if Jude Bellingham went to Liverpool, we would, this would be a very different conversation we'd be having right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they've got the money to do it. I don't understand why they didn't do it. I don't think that... I mean, I think there might still be some question marks about the Liverpool ownership and what they're doing. But I don't think they were that short of money that they couldn't have spent that money on Jude Bellingham if they wanted to. So... Out of all of the top six teams, or top seven teams now, if we want to even go that far, um, and I include Spurs in that for mm. the time being, for the purposes of this conversation anyway, I think Liverpool are the ones I'm worried about the most mm. right now because I don't think they've addressed their defensive frailties. I think they've they've actually gone backwards in their midfield by getting rid of... I mean, not only that, you know, the, you're getting rid of old heads, experienced heads, Fabinho, mm. Henderson. These are players who have a lot of experience, club captain Henderson as well. You'd imagine that would probably be Van Dyke now. Yeah. Um, so, you know, Liverpool in a spot by one. I know they've still got Curtis Jones, Harvey Elliott still in there, good players. Um, I'm not sure that midfield as it stands right now, here talking, is good enough to get them into the top four this year. Mm. I think they need more. Um, unless we're all proven wrong in this, this is lie and McAllister turn out to be like bargains of the season and they hit the ground running and they're amazing. Yeah. Um, but right now, I'm going to suggest that that's probably unlikely. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Um, moving on to City. Um, 
Well, I mean, I'm here. I've just got the only player they've signed is Kovacic, but I think they've obviously secured that Guardiola now as well. If you look, he's actually in the outgoing list. If you're looking at the, the oh, is list, he? yeah. If you look at the top of the outgoing list, he's there for some reason. Oh yes, yeah. So yeah. Nice. I don't know why he's yeah. in that. I don't know why he's in the outgoing. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously we said we talked about City, didn't we, on the on the main podcast? But I think the the biggest question mark, maybe I'll throw at you, is is Kovacic a good replacement for Gundogan? Not really. I don't think. Good one's you know, been so important. Yeah, to I think he's a shame that he left. To be honest, um, I can understand why I'd want to go to Barcelona. To be fair, but, but he's accomplished everything now at City, yeah. hasn't he? He's won everything. Um, I think Kovacic is a good player. I, I I thought he played well in the Community Shield at the weekend, mm. from what I saw. Um, that being said, I don't think he's going to play as regularly as Gundogan did. Yeah. Once De Bruyne is back up to full fitness, Foden back in the fold as well. They've still got Bernardo Silva, John Cole Stones, well. consent into midfield. Yeah, Cole Palmer. Cole, Cole Palmer, yeah, um, sorry. You've Cole got, well. you know, other players who can who can push around and play in different positions. Mm. I don't think Kovacic is going to be a mainstay in that side anyway. No. I think he's been signed as more of a backup. Um, so, yeah, I think actually they'll miss Riyad Mahrez more. Than than uh, than Gundogan just because yeah. of the players they've got in that position. Yeah, and Riyad Mahrez bailed them out. I mean, that's, that's unfair on Gundogan because he would basically win the league for them and the FA Cup. And, and the FA Cup. Um, so that would be unfair to say that, but I do think that Mahrez was quite underrated during his time at Man City. Mm. Um, came up with some really important goals, scored a lot of goals as well. Um, and uh, I think he's actually quite a loss to the Premier League. Actually, I would go as far as say. Who's uh, James Trafford for City? Is that goalkeeper? No idea. Finally signed him for twenty million. Hey, that's a uh, James. I think he's a goalkeeper. He is a goalkeeper. He's twenty years old. He's the one that won the uh, championship with England. Didn't concede a goal. Ah, okay. Under twenty ones or whatever. Under twenty one World Cup. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean that maybe that's a little uh, insider purchase mm. from El Vincent Company. Yeah. Um who was their goalkeeper before Burnley? Because I know they had Pope before, but obviously he left. Yeah, I can tell you they went they down. championship. Um yeah. He uh had a fantastic championship if they if it is him. Um, I heard it all about him. He had a loan spell at Bolton last year. Mm. Um and now he's a Premier League goalkeeper, so and he is uh is he English? Yeah, he, he is English. England under 21s, mate. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, it didn't take long, did it? For me to say the first fucking stupid thing of this this season. Um, I was just talking because, you know, the um, the conversation about England goalkeepers is going to come up again fairly yeah. soon because of the ages and everything else. Um, so, you know, he could be one to keep an eye out for mm. the future of England's um, goalkeeping position. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, and then moving on, I guess, to Manchester United. Um, we've had an interesting summer so far. Took us a little while to get going. Um, how do you think, you know, as a neutral, how do you think United signings? Better now you've got Hoyland in. Yeah. Um, obviously, he was one that you were linked with at the start of the summer, along mm. with Harry Kane. I was kind of concerned that it was taking you longer than maybe it should have done to get mm. that striker in. Um, I'm because surprised he was... wasn't first choice, to be honest. 
As in given his age, yeah, given his age. I mean, Osherman, I don't know how seriously that link was ever taken. I don't know. No, I meant as in like the striker position wasn't first choice. Oh, I not see what you mean. who we signed. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it was it was so blatantly obvious that that was, yeah. that was the big position they needed filling. Um, I think... The the only maybe I'll ask you this in a minute. The only the only question mark for me is uh, how you feel and whether we should be having a conversation about how the club treated David de Gea in the summer. Yeah, I was quite surprised actually. They just let him go like that. Um, Do you think it was disrespectful? Yeah, I think it literally just won the Golden Glove as well. <laughs> <laughs> I know that obviously it made quite a few mistakes. It's been um, there like eleven, twelve years. Yeah, twelve years. I think it was. Yeah. Um, yeah, I thought it was quite a shame. I really liked the hair. Um, I must admit, I think the I think you're being generous. I think the way they treated him, I think, was disgraceful. Mm. Um, the, you know, that's the equivalent of in in an everyday life work. In that, you know, um, I mean, the company I work for, for example, has just been bought out mm. uh, last year, and obviously we have to go through various contract bits and pieces and sign new contracts and stuff. That's the, what De Gea has gone through is the equivalent of the new company that's taken over my position saying, right, we're going to keep you on, but you're going to have to take a 30% wage cut. Mm. And then there's me going, oh, fucking hell, right. Well, you know, I, I like working here. I like the area I live in. I don't want to move. And it's like, all right, okay, fine. I'll sign it. And then they go, actually, we fucking changed their mind. You can piss off. <laughs> that's effectively what they did. Yeah. And I think that, you know, to, to do that to somebody like De Gea, and I know he had his critics, He's been with the club 12 years. He has won numerous Golden Glove awards. I think he may have even broken the record for number of clean sheets. Did he beat Czech's record? Mm, what, in the Premier League? Yeah. I don't think he so. Didn't. Okay, but he must have got pretty close. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, he has been, he's been your player of the season on numerous occasions. Um, he stuck with the club. I know, he did, you know, he wanted to go to Real Madrid that one time, but other than that, you know, he's, he's stuck with... for that fax machine. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Um, you know, he's stuck with your club through some very bad times. Mm. Um, so to treat him like that, I think is disgraceful. I really do. Yeah. Um, and I mean, he shouldn't have been on 375 grand. No, I mean, way, really. you're, you're right. I mean, they needed to bring his wage down one yeah. way or the other. Um, but I think the very fact that De Gea was prepared to take that to stay at the club showed you, you know, what United meant to him. Because mm. uh, he, I'm sure he would probably I mean I don't know if he's actually got a club yet but I'd be surprised if um, someone in Saudi Arabia doesn't come knocking yeah yeah. Um, I know Inter Milan tried to snap him up on a free yeah his wages would be too much for, for Inter Milan I suspect um, but uh, yeah and of course you know does he get a testimonial and if he does now it's going to be a bit weird isn't it because mm. you've just been treated like that by the club do you want to go back and have a testimonial yeah. now so but anyway it's a bit of a sour ending it is a sour ending so it's a sad ending but Looking at it from the other side, um, Anana, mm. how how are you feeling about him? Yeah, you know, I think he's a good signing. To be fair, um, obviously worked under Ten Hag at Ajax. Yeah, um, was good for Inter Milan and like obviously played in the Champions League final and stuff. So he's got experience. Um, yeah, I think I think it'll be a good signing. He is good with the ball at his feet, which is what we really needed. So yeah, can't really complain. No. Um, so and then other than that, um, Mason Mount. Mason Mount well. comes in. He's not exactly setting the world alight no, right now, is he? I wasn't sure about him. I mean, if we'd have got him for like, <coughs> especially with a year left on his contract, if we'd have got him for like thirty million, I'd have been happy. But I think sixty, we were absolutely mugged off, to be honest. How do you feel about him being given the number seven shirt? Yeah, I think that's fucking stupid. <laughs> yeah, that. I mean, that's 
it's, it's already, you know, as you said, 60 million is a lot of money. There's already pressure on him for that reason. Mm. To then give him the number seven shirt, I think was an unnecessary amount of extra pressure yeah. being added. I really do. I don't, I'm kind of surprised that Mason Mount actually took that. If I was Mason Mount, I might have said, you know what? The history for the number seven shirt at Man United, mm. you know, Beckham, mm-hmm. Cantona, Ronaldo, mm. those are some fucking big names. Now Mason Mount's number seven. Alexis Sanchez. Alexis Sanchez, yeah. Don't come much bigger than that. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Um, but no, I think United have had a good window all in all. They've looked reasonably sharp in pre-season for what I've seen. Um, I'd like to see Hoyland. I really, I'll be honest, uh, as, other than his reputation and what you've told me, I've not really seen anything of him. Yeah, it's a um, shame we've signed him right. It's annoying me as well because I've already seen so many comparisons. Like, is it going to be Haaland v oh, Hoyland? God, it's, yeah, like, it's, it's going to be so boring. It's like you can't compare Haaland to this. I know they're both 2021, 20, but... You know, they're miles apart, like... Yeah, it, it, it's a little bit like... Wasn't there a... Um, it was the Jesus and Haaland comparison yeah. last year, wasn't it? Um, yeah, I think that... I think this is a good signing for United. It's a long-term signing. It's, um, you know... <sighs> it's, diff- it's difficult to say. It's a lot of money for a youngster who... I'll be honest, I say I know nothing about him. I, I I could be the, you know, the exception to the rule. There maybe he's much more well known in European football than perhaps I'm giving him credit for. Um, but he's risky. You know, seventy seventy odd million on twenty one year old kid mm. who's only ever played at Atlanta um, seems like a risk. You know, when you're paying, if you'd paid ninety million for Haaland, at least you could turn and say, well, he's been doing it in the Champions League. He's yeah, been playing at the top level in Germany for for a couple of years. Um, but hey, you know. I, I think in a, in a United side, he's going to get chances. He's going to, you know, he's going to be at the forefront of their attack. Mm. He is basically their only properly out and out recognized striker. Yeah, um, plenty of game so time. he's going to get plenty of plenty of game time. Yeah. Can we also uh, do a minute silence for another club legend that's left? Oh, Phil Jones! Yeah. What a guy! <laughs> yeah, maybe I should maybe I should play some like um, piano music over this podcast just yeah. to have a moment of silence and recognition for. Got to be one of the best paid sofa fans ever. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it says a lot, doesn't it, when he was taking punditry jobs while still being an active member of the main night playing group. Although he wasn't, he wasn't in the 25, was he? But, no. Um, yeah. Uh, moving on to, obviously, a team that done very well last season, Newcastle. Yeah. Um, so far, brought in Harvey Barnes and Tonali. Yeah, Harvey Barnes, I think, is a brilliant signing. I was genuinely gutted that West Ham didn't get him. We were linked with him quite heavily. Mm. Um, I think that's a very, very good signing for Newcastle. I think, actually, as a fit, he fits Newcastle way more than he does West Ham Mm. um, with the style of football and the differences there. So I suspect he could be one of those players to to watch this season. Tonali, I really don't know with him because we all know he didn't really want to come. He was effectively forced out of AC Milan Mm. because of their financial problems. Um, He cuts a quite um, downbeat figure. Is that fair to say? Mm. Like his demeanor comes across as quite down and depressed. Um, He hasn't lit the, I don't think he's played huge amounts of preseason football, but from what I've heard, he hasn't exactly set the world alight. Um, And Italians, generally speaking, do take longer to adapt to English yeah. football than some other nations do. Um, so 
it's a tricky one. I think that one there. Um, I think he's in a good team. He's in a good environment. He's got a good manager. He's got a good group of players around him. So he's he's in an environment where he he's got everything he needs to succeed. Mm-hmm. It's going to come down to where his own head is at. Is mm-hmm. he still kind of pining after AC Milan because he never really wanted to leave? Yeah. Has he come to terms with the fact that he's now playing in the northeast of England um, in the shit weather, cold weather? Maybe one or two Premier League games and he hears the, the Geordie fans roaring. Maybe that will change his mind. Yeah, um, but uh, at the very least, he's still going to be in the Champions League um, with, with Newcastle. So mm-hmm. he's, you know, the opportunity is there for him. Um, but he'd be on my list of ones to keep an eye on for a potential flop. Yeah, interesting. Um, one that's actually gone that's just caught my attention is uh, Matty Longstaff which in the grand scheme of things isn't that significant, but I wonder how his brother feels. What, because he got to stay at Newcastle? Well, it just must be weird when you've both been at a club for so long and then your brother gets released. Yeah, it depends on their relationship, doesn't it? Because he could be using that as a stick to beat him with. Mm, yeah, <laughs> so that's true. You were shit, mate. I'm still here. Yeah. Um, you know, we had all this money coming to the club and I'm still playing. Um, but yeah, it was funny, wasn't it? Because when those two first sort of came into the team a couple of years ago, whenever it was, um, I mean, they were both linked with United. Both linked with United, yeah. yeah. And I think, wasn't Matty Longstaff actually at the time seen as the better of the mm, two? Yeah. Because uh, I think he scored... Did he score that yeah, goal against United? Did, yeah, he was the younger brother. Yeah, well. so yeah, interesting how that... So has he gone anywhere? Has he just been just released? Been released. From, just been released from the club. Mm. Yeah. Um, oh, let's just go all the way back to the top. I have to cut this bit out. Right? <laughs> yeah, <it's fine. laughs> I'll put some, uh, some like, elevator music in or something just to... <laughs> <laughs> um, moving on probably the last sort of two teams I guess um, Spurs yeah um, really difficult to assess them to be brutally honest because they've had a pretty interrupted preseason mm. um, because they decided to go and play in a country that in the middle of their monsoon season so they had one of their friends cancelled Um Apparently that man or Solomon Solomon. Man of Solomon. He was a he was either one who was on loan at Fulham. Was he on loan? I thought so, they signed him. Was no, he only on loan? Because he, he came from Shakhtar. Oh yeah, he was this. only on loan. So I think um, he apparently has been doing quite well in preseason. Mm. Um, quite an interesting signing. They've obviously confirmed the signing for Kulisevsky now. Um, twenty five mils. Twenty five mils is a mm. decent amount for him. I think actually, had he have had the season last year that he had in that first. So it was the last half of the season before when he came in on loan. I think that figure would have been a lot higher. Mm. Um, James Madison then. Yeah. I've, from what I've heard, he's been quite good in preseason. Yeah. Um, what do you, do you feel like he's going to be, you know, how do I put this? Newcastle was supposedly going to be his, his was his preferred destination. Mm. Um, he said he wanted to go there, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. He's then had to sort of settle for Spurs. Settle for Spurs. Well, they're shit, aren't they? <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but would do you do you feel like I can't remember which player we used as an example earlier? I think it might have been Declan Rice actually. And um, we said about him going to United and having more of an impact. Do you think that Madison will have more of an impact at Spurs than he would have done at Newcastle? Do you think he was needed more at Spurs than he was at Newcastle, I guess? Mm. Yeah, I guess. I think with the likes of Son, depending on who plays a striker. <laughs> uh, are we not saying, is he like Voldemort? Are we not saying, <laughs> we not saying his name? 
Um, yeah, you know, with the, the attacking players they've got, Kulisevsky, Richarlison, Kane, Son, <coughs> James Madison could rack up the old assists this season. Yeah, and the reason I ask about the whole do you think he's worth more to them than he is to Newcastle is because Spurs lacked creativity mm. last year massively. Um, you know, they, they had some players they brought in that didn't really work, Los Celso, um, and one or two, I'm trying to think of them. Like they, some of the midfielders they had were just not correct, like Skip, um, Winks, Winks. Um, who's the um, Hoiberg? Like Hoiberg was like scoring and getting assists yeah. because there like, was nobody else doing it. Yeah. Like that's what it came to. Um, so I feel like James Madison is going to have a very strong season at Spurs. I'm the jury is out on Spurs as a whole, especially with the whole Kane situation. I don't know about Postacoglu. Um, comes in with a people talk highly of him at his time at Celtic. But I'm not sure, you know, how he's going to get on. So mm. I'm not putting him in my pants and eating just yet. So I'll wait and see how Spurs start the season. If they start yeah, I think that's it, isn't it? playing well, if they play good football and Madison's heavily involved, then I might think about switching. Mm. Um, but um, yeah, Harry Winks obviously has gone the other way for 10 million. Leicester, yeah. Um, it's funny, isn't it? I, I was watching the Southampton game a bit of it on Friday night. And then they started advertising what championship game they're going to be showing on the weekend. And they talked about Leicester. I was like, fuck yeah, I forgot they got yeah, relegated. Yeah. So um, I guess we have to talk about Harry Kane. Yeah. Um, are you? I mean, we received word today, in fact, that the third take it or leave it offer of supposedly around 100 million mm. euros has been rejected by Spurs. Are you surprised by this? Yeah. Because um, all the indications seem like it was just a matter of finding the right price. Yeah. Yeah, 100 wonder... million for a player with a year on his contract. Yeah, I know. I mean, it's levy, isn't it? There was probably like a quid's difference in the. <laughs> <laughs> For me, the, the the biggest, like eye ray, eyebrow raising thing I can think about this is the fact that. Right now, if he goes to Bayern Munich, he is effectively not competition for Spurs. He can't come back and bite you in the ass. Really, mm. it's very very unlikely to unless Spurs get into the Champions League this season, which again is unlikely. Um, he can't bite you in the ass. You're getting a lot of money for a player who's pushing 30, who has a year left on his contract, and you are in complete control of where he goes. Mm. If you leave it another year, you lose that control. And we know for a fact, it's been it's been documented that he does not want to sell Kane to uh, or let him go to another Premier League team. He's going to go to another Premier League team next mm. year. If he, if he doesn't go, and on the assumption that Spurs don't have an amazing season, maybe Kane has a change of heart and does sign a new contract. If he goes next season, he is going to go to another Premier League team. I can guarantee it. He'll go to probably one of United uh, or Chelsea, someone like somewhere like that. I would I would suspect maybe even someone like Newcastle. Um. So for me, I I I think this is brain dead from Daniel Levy. Yeah, uh, I really do. I don't see. Why on? I can only think, as I said on you in the group chat earlier, I can only think that Daniel Levy's strategy right now is that he is playing an incredibly dangerous, risky game to think that Postacoglu is going to pull a rabbit out of the hat. They're going to be brilliant in the early part of the season. Kane's going to be reinvigorated. He's going to see the potential in the side and he's going to go, all right, I'll sign another three-year contract. Mm. Um, it's incredibly risky from Daniel Levy to do that because 
he is your biggest asset. You have no other player in your squad who's ever going to command that sort of fee, with no. the possible exception of Human Son. But even then, he probably wouldn't fetch much more than sixty. Or no, last season he was pretty poor, wasn't yeah. he? So. so I think <sighs> the only, unless this is a bit of a West Ham uh, Arsenal situation where it's not the money, it's the it's the structure. Yeah, yeah. Um, maybe it's Spurs saying no, we want more up front, or we don't think the add-ons you're offering are fair, or something yeah. like that. Maybe that's what it is. But for now, if it's if it's just a straight up no, we don't really we think he's worth more than that. Mm. I think that is crazy from Daniel Levy. Yeah. Um the word is on the street that if Harry Kane is involved in the first Premier League game of the season against Brentford, I think they're playing, um, then they expect him to be there for the season. So the clock is ticking. We've got what, four days? Mm. Um yeah. I mean I, I don't necessarily believe that. I think if Bayern Munich or anybody was to come in with a much bigger offer, they would sell him. Yeah. It doesn't matter if it's now we're at the end of the window, but yeah, I mean, out you know, aside to that, Spurs need to let him go sooner rather than later if they're going to because they're going to have to replace him. Yeah, um, and then who do they go and get? How do you replace a striker like Harry Kane who's going to pretty much guarantee you twenty five to thirty goals every single season? Mm. How do you go and replace him? Who do you mm. who do you go and buy? Um, so yeah, it's it's a. Uh, if I was a Spurs fan, I'd be... I don't know how I'd feel about this, actually, because I, I know one or two Spurs fans and they all sort of say that Kane deserves better. He, go, he deserves to go and play for a top team win and, win, and win, win some trophies. Yeah. He's given us his best years. We haven't given him anything in return, mm. effect from a trophy point of view. Um, but how would they feel about him going to the Premier League team and not being sold right now? Mm. Um, you know, is it that... With West Ham, it was that one more year argument. You know, just it's almost like that refusal to let go because yeah. you don't want to see him in another kit. And it was like that. It was like that with Rice with us. But ultimately, he's going to leave one way. You yeah. would think he's going to leave one way or the other. Yeah. So, yeah, weird one. Mm, right. Do we have to talk about moving West Ham? on? What do you think of uh, West Ham signing of Sean Moore from? <laughs> Do you know what? I spent most of this summer thinking that we haven't signed anyone. I'd forgotten we'd signed this guy. <laughs> Who um, is he? Is he a younger story? Yeah, he's 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 from Ireland, yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I, th- I think he's going into the development squad as a bit of a trial rather than anything right. else. Um, so yeah, as far as West Ham go, um, I'll try and keep this brief because Jesus Christ, I could go on all fucking night about them right <laughs> now. Uh, we are in a really big fucking hole right now, um, and before I get into the real detail of of what's going on. I think the biggest, the most depressing thing about this entire situation we find ourselves in right now is that not two months ago we were celebrating our first trophy in mm. 50, 60 years, whatever it was. Um, to not build on that and to not move forward um, is mental. And I think the lack of preparation that we appear to have been in with Rice leaving is crazy because we must have fucking known he was going to go. Yeah. Excuse me, or that, or that they put in, yeah, or that there was a very good chance he was going to go. We've known that for probably 12 to 18 months mm. that sooner or later somebody's going to come in for him and he's going to go, yeah. Um, so to not have anybody lined up to do that, um, I think is mad. The issues behind the scenes are very concerning at the moment. So we've got this new guy called Tim Stiden, mm. who's this new sporting director who comes in with a very good reputation of finding you young exciting prospects 
and helping build a side, you know, of, of younger players. Yeah. West Ham won't have one of the av- oldest average sides in the league, so we need to bring in some youth. Mm. Um, now, ironically, we played by Leverkusen in friendly at the weekend yeah. and got battered. Yeah. They beat us 4-0, and frankly, <laughs> having watched it on YouTube, it could have been more. Yeah. Um, it was the one of the most one-sided games I've ever seen. West Ham were a mile off it. There was no intensity. It was the same old sit behind the ball, play on the counter. Um, and Bayern Leverkusen under Xavi Alonso were just brilliant. They were they were so superior to us in every department. It was it was frightening how far off we were. And I know earlier in the season we beat Spurs three two, but it was our third or fourth game of preseason. It was their first. Mm. Can't really read much into that. And actually, if you look into the stats, they fucking batted us in that game, and so I didn't score. Yeah, uh, or didn't score more. Um, so and yeah, here we are. So now we get the situation where David Moyes, who's got a year left in his contract wants to bring in tried and tested players like Maguire, like McTominay, like James Ward-Prowse, like Conor Gallagher. Whereas uh, Tim Stiden is saying, well, no, I want to bring in um, Fafana. I want to bring in Edson Alvarez. I want to bring in um, uh, Carlos Brozier from uh, Man City who went off to Ajax instead. And we've got this loggerhead situation. Now, I I'm I was listening to an insider West Ham podcast where they had Darmesh on from Sky Sports, yeah. and he was basically saying, he said, look, this isn't unusual for a new director of football to come in and there to be clashes friction. and yeah. friction because you've got two different styles clashing, and at some point a compromise is going to have to be found. Mm-hmm. My worry is, is where that compromise is going to come, who's going to back down, who's mm-hmm. going to still be there. Um, if I was a betting man, I'd be down the bookies tomorrow and putting 20 quid on Moyes to be the first manager to go. Mm. Genuinely, I think, because I uh, the way we look in terms of preparation for the season ahead, we're going to be down the bottom end of the league again, I think. Um, when we do our table predictions, I'm not putting... I'm going to be very, <laughs> very harsh on West Ham. Yeah. I think that it's going to be... If things don't change, let's say, for example, things stay as they are, West Ham are going to be praying that there's three worst teams again. And there might be. Luton, mm. Sheffield United, you know, those sorts of teams are going to be down there, no, no doubt. But that's not what West Ham should be. Like we've we've actually got. If you look at the squad that we have, we're only a little bit like Villa. We're probably only three or four quality additions away from having a team that should be competing for every week in Europe. Mm. The problem is, is that even if you bring those players in, we're not going to do it under Moyes. Um, so I think there's there's a there's a problem that's coming here. West Ham have got to decide between Moyes' tactics and his acumen and the fact that he won us a trophy and Steinitz's approach of using exciting footballers to build a new brand of football at West Ham that's not going to happen under Moyes so they've got to decide you can't bring in a director of football like that yeah. and expect Moyes to just suddenly change overnight he's shown he's stubborn he's shown he's mm. not going to change his ways and for those people out there that are saying yeah but he's just won your trophy I know and we love him for that for that reason but if we look at the, the detail here we've really only played one quality side in that entire competition yeah and that was Fiorentina in the final and for the most part they were the better team yeah so let's not make out like we've just won the Champions League here I'm not an idiot I appreciate it's the third level of European football but we didn't play anyone really that was that strong yeah Um. you know we played a second rate team for most of that competition and, and breezed through it and whilst playing like fucking donkeys in the Premier League <laughs> yeah. so yeah, there's, there's, there is big issues. Edson Alvarez sounds like that deal is very close, mm. which is a massive deal because right now our two centre midfielders is Flynn Downs and Thomas Suchek. And Suchek cannot play football. He cannot play football. Um, the only reason that you would keep him in your side is if you 
put him back to how he was when he first started, late arriving in the box, winning headers, scoring goals. The Fellaini role. The Fel- exactly yeah. that, the Fellaini role. Playing him as an actual ball-winning, ball-playing central midfield, central defensive midfielder like Declan Rice mm. is a car crash waiting to happen mm. because he is not technically good enough to do it. Um, and he's been caught in possession on several occasions in preseason and we've been punished. Uh, Flynn Downs, I like him. I think he's got potential, but he, it's unfair to put him in that midfield alongside um, Suchak. So if Alvarez comes in, that's huge because he is a very strong player. He's been linked with a lot of big clubs. He mm. nearly went to Dortmund. You know, if those clubs are after him, probably doing something right. Yeah. Um, but we need more. Um, we just sold Skamaka as well. And apparently we are after another striker to replace him, which is a not unsurprising because we've only got Antonio and Ings. We have got Mabama, this young striker who's mm-hmm. really exciting. Might see more of him now. Um, and of course, the elephant in the room here that I've yet to mention is the fact that West Ham are uh, once again back in today, right now, within the last hour and a half, for Harry Maguire and Scott McTominay mm. at United. Now, I'm going to try and be, I know I joke a lot, I'm going to try and be as non-biased as I can and try and put my football hat on here for a mm-hmm. second. Scott McTominay, I actually think would be a good signing for us. Mm. I think actually in a team like ours, I think actually he would work. Him, a midfield three of Pakatar, Alvarez and McTominay, I actually think that's a good midfield three. Yeah, That's actually pretty strong. Um, Maguire coming in, I can only think this is because Moyes wants to go to a back three. Mm. And that's where Maguire will thrive in a back three that doesn't really play that high up the yeah. pitch. At the moment, he's playing in a team that he is ill-equipped to play in. Yeah. And it's 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 highlighting the negative aspects of his game and the, and the downsides to his ability. The problem is, is that if Moyes goes early doors and we bring in a young, let's say a Graham Potter, for example, or or manager of similar um, style, he's going to find himself back in the same situation again. And then we're going to be 30 million down the fucking toilet. So for me, it's that signing is a here and now signing. It's not a future signing. And that's what worries me. It's the short-term thinking that costs managers their jobs. It costs teams their... Um, their futures um, and stunts progression and stunts growth. But that's a Moyes signing, isn't it? It is absolutely 100% a Moyes signing. I would prefer if we um, went and got Jonathan Tah from Bayern Leverkusen because he he looked great against us. Mm. I think he's coming to the end of his contract and he would be available for about the same sort of money, apparently. Mm. Um, So for me, there is an awful lot that's going to happen between now and the end of the window with West Ham. Uh, not just off the pitch, but on the pitch as well. Because yeah. if results don't go our way, if performances are bad, Moyes could go within a couple of games of this season. Yeah. I'm sure of it. I think that the only reason he stayed is because of the good grace of that of that cup win. Yeah. If things go bad, I think he's going to lose that good grace very, very quickly. And I think the West Ham fans are already negative. Um, rightly so in some cases. They go a bit overboard in some, some, yeah. sometimes. Um, and I know that there's probably an element of West Ham being held to ransom because everybody knows we've got money. They don't want to pay over the odds if they can avoid to. So I understand that. But at the same time, we are now three days, four days from the start of the season and we've yet to get a player of their own. Alvarez is close, but he's not done. Yeah. So, you know, that could still, in theory, fall apart. he's not going to go straight into the team, is he? Well, he probably will. You reckon? Just because of how much we need him. Mm. Um, I think he's he's got to go in. I don't think you can afford to not. I mean... We're lucky that we're playing Bournemouth first game with respect to them, but then we've got quite a tough run of fixtures mm. after that. So 
I, I see a situation where West Ham are in the bottom three after the first six games. And I think Moyes will be gone if that's yeah. the case. I think that's that's uh, that's a given. I think that is going to happen. Um, so anyway, that's my rant on West Ham. Fuck them. Um, it's, it, as I said, it's just such a shame. I'm really annoyed about Skamaka as well because we've now had under Moyes two, two amazing strikers um, that were good before us, shit with us, and good after us on the assumption Skamaka goes to Atlanta and does mm. well, which he probably will. When are the West Ham hierarchy going to understand and realise that the players we're bringing in are not the problem? Um, and I said it before and I'll say it again, he wants every striker that ever plays for the club to play like Antonio. Yeah. And it doesn't work. Antonio is the exception, not the rule. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's a shame because despite his injury hit season, he did score eight goals in 24 games for us. So it wasn't an awful return. Mm. Um, and I think there was a real player there. If we could, if we could have bought one or two good additions around him, got Pakatar was playing really well towards the end of the last season. If he could have linked up properly with Skamaka, that could have yeah. been a really nice partnership there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm really frustrated because we're seeing these top strikers come in and go. We all, everyone's seen and heard about the record of strikers for mm. West Ham under Golden Sullivan. Um, I think it's something like in the middle fifties now, in terms of the amount of strikers that we that they bought in the like Chelsea in the eight yeah in the eighteen years they've been with us or whatever it is, and only a very small percentage, and I'm talking like four or five of them have actually turned out to be any good. Um, the rest of them have been moved on, kicked out quickly, whatever it was. Um, so yeah, there's going to be a lot that's going to go on at West Ham this this uh, next few weeks. Um, I'm. I'll be honest, this isn't an over-exaggeration. I've I've not been in a situation where I've been looking forward to a season as little as I am right now as a West Ham fan. Mm. I'm excited for the return of the Premier League as a whole because I love football and everything else. I want to see it back on TV. I want to watch the big games. But as a West Ham fan, I'm dreading this season. Even though we're in the Europa League again, we're in Europe for the third season in a row. I should be be buzzing. Um, This is usually our transfer window. Yeah, it is. And it's... It's so depressing. We should be we should be riding a wave of positivity having just won that trophy for the first time in 60-odd years. And yet here we are talking in such negative tones about the club. Um, so, yeah, we shall see. Who knows? Maybe if we can bring in a couple of players, um, then great. Um, I, the Maguire thing just uh, terrifies me because if it goes wrong, we're going to look like clowns absolute clowns and that's a 30 million bill that we've got to pay for a player that's you know probably not going to be in the mm. team um why why take that risk when that's not a position that needs filling urgently um go and use a youth player yeah i'd rather yeah. use a youth player spend the money elsewhere so anyway right okay um let's take a quick look then um before we uh, before we wrap up we've um, we've gone on a little bit longer than i sort of anticipated let's have a very very quick look at the first round of fixtures for the Premier League season. Friday night kicks off, Burnley mm. against Manchester City. Um, we haven't talked about Burnley other than the goalkeeper that they signed. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you view them going this season? Um, yeah, it'd be interesting. Obviously, the Burnley I have in my head is very different to the Burnley <laughs> that um, I think are under company. So yeah. it'd be interesting to see how they I do. I think everybody's going to be like that, aren't yeah. they? Everybody's going to be like <laughs> expecting them to be the Sean Dyche Burnley. Yeah. I think. Maybe he'll surprise a few people. Essentially, yeah. Um, 
Pro, well, I mean, obviously, the game of the weekend is is Chelsea against Liverpool. Mm. Um, Hell of a game to start with. That's so cracking. I'm really looking forward to seeing both of those teams because for, for different reasons. Chelsea, because I'm keen to see how much they've improved under Poch. Liverpool, because I'm keen to see just how big a, mm. how far away they are from being the team that they want to be. Um, so I think that one is is that's unmissable, that game. It really is. Um just looking through the rest of the fixtures there. Newcastle against Villa. That's a tasty one. Yeah. 5.30 yeah. on Saturday. They usually wank the first game to see. Well. <laughs> um, yeah, I think there's a, there's a lot of unanswered questions. I'm really interested to see Luton Town because, you know, for all the jokes about their stadium and everything else, it's brilliant mm. that they're in the Premier League. But I do worry for them. I do worry that this is a, a step that's beyond them. Mm. Um, I hope I'm proved wrong because I like to see new teams come up in the Premier League and do well. Um, Sheffield United as well. I think they were looking okay and then they sold and die uh, to a team in France, I think, yeah. fairly recently. And I think that's that could be a, a, quite a big discovery because he was massive for them last yeah. season in the championship. Yeah. So, uh, Right, just to, before we finish off then, um, we have got our predictions to do for the season. So... Um, We'll do these ones off air. I'm going to put them up on social media this year so that people can do a, fill out a form mm-hmm. and give us theirs. Um, so uh, we will be doing um, the Premier League winner, the top four, who finishes in the Europa League, who finishes in the Conference League, who's relegated, the top scorer. Well, I've put the second top goal scorer in as a thing this year because Haaland. Um, (laughs) top assists most red cards most clean sheets or most players have most clean sheets which team will have the best defence which team will score the most goals and who will be the highest placed newly promoted team so that's what we'll be writing down Mm -hmm. and storing right up until the end of the season which seems an awfully long way away right now Um, however we're going to do something slightly different right now I forgot we were going to do this so the show's going to go on a little bit longer Um, we're going to do predictions. We've got four to do. We're going to do right now, and I want to hear everybody in the comments on Facebook, social media, and everything else. Let us know what yours are as well. Dan, the first two are the disappointing ones. I want you to tell me who do you think is going to be the most disappointing team this season based on expectations right now, the pre-seasons they've had, et cetera, et cetera. Who do you think is going to be the most disappointing Premier League team this season? Oof. It depends. I mean, in terms of where they should be and where they end up, I feel like West Ham could be up there. But I think the expectations right now are so very low. <laughs> well, that's what when you said like how pre-season and stuff's been, I was like, oh. Um, uh, I think maybe Fulham, the season they had last season. Yeah. Um, I think they've lost Mitrovic or he's re- refused to play for them. He's they've, down to Yeah, Australia, they've yeah. signed Jimenez and I, poor Jimenez has just not, not been the same since that injury. I've also heard rumours about Marco Silva um, potentially wanting out. Apparently he's had an offer from Saudi Arabia yeah, really. as well. Mm. And we know he's got form yeah. when it comes to downing tools. Yeah. From, that was a little while ago, so maybe those were untrue. Yeah. Um, but certainly the Mitrovic one um, is... I mean, I think they're going to, for Mitrovic to come back into the fold, it's going to have to go past the end of August. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, Willian wants to leave. Um, Manor Solomon's obviously. William, no, he's just re signed for them, William, isn't he? No, he wants to leave. He's just literally re signed the new contract with Fulham. What? How How recently? Within the last week or two. Oh, I was. Because he left, because he was only on a year contract. He, he left anyway, and then he re signed with Fulham. I was reading that he wants to leave already. 
Oh. This was yesterday, so it's definitely... Oh, maybe something's happened there. Yeah. Maybe something's gone on. Um, all right, so you're saying Fulham. I think Fulham. I'm going to say... I'm going to say Liverpool. Mm. I think that right now, they their expectations are going to be that they top four. I think that, you know, as a club like Liverpool, that's what they should be aiming for. Mm. Um, they missed out last year. And I think that what they've done to their team, what they're ripping out of the core of that midfield, I'm not convinced right here, right now, that they've done enough to replace that. And I think their defence is still going to be leaky. If they keep playing Trent at right back, um, Virgil van Dijk hasn't been the same player over the last 12 to 18 months as he has been. I think Liverpool are going to have another struggling season. I think they'll have a couple of games here and there where they'll batter people, where it'll all click. Mm. Um, Darwin, Nunez might get some goals. You know, Diaz, Salah, Gakpo. You know, they've got a great strike force. Mm. I can see them losing games like 3-2, 4-3, that sort of thing. Yeah. So, um, my, I just I think they'll miss out. I think they'll they'll Europa League at best for Liverpool this season. I think, which is interesting, probably not what they'll want. So mm. I think they'll want to go higher than that. Yeah. If they start another midfielder between now and the end of August, and that my opinion probably changes. Excuse me. If they bring in another elite midfielder, and then my focus would probably switch to either Fulham, like you said, um, or. Mm, my close second is Brentford. I was going to say Brentford Without because the Ivan fact I, I know Ivan yeah. Tony, um, and he does not run until like January time. So is the damage done by that point? Um, can Thomas Frank continue to to mm. drag them along uh, in the way that he has done? So okay, there you go. Um, let us know what yours are. Most disappointing new Habits. signing. <laughs> Didn't even finish my sentence. <laughs> Kai Havertz. Um, yeah. I think that's um, a good shout. I just to be different, I'll say somebody else. I'm going to say um, Sean Moore. <laughs> no, he's class, man. <laughs> um, trying to think of some of the other signings that have come in. Um, for me, I will say just because of what I said earlier about him, as well, I'm not sure where his head is at right now and how Italians take a bit longer. I'm going to go Sandro Tonali. Mm, interesting. Um, I just, I, for some reason, I've just got this gut feeling like something is not going to quite click for him. Mm. Um, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he'll be amazing. I hope he is because I quite like Newcastle. I like Eddie Howe. Um, but I've just got this feeling that it's not going to click. I've also got reservations about um, <sighs> Mason Mount mm. at United. Not lighting up in preseason. The weight of the transfer fee, the weight of that number seven mm. on his back. Um, I'm not convinced. I'm not even convinced he was needed in the first place. Um, not. A, I think you needed a midfielder, but I'm not sure you needed a Mason Mount type midfielder. No. When you've got Bruno yeah. and those sorts of players in there, I'm not sure you needed him. So, yeah, for me, Tenali or Mason Mount are probably the two that I'm looking at. Fair enough. Uh, let's go the other way. Most mm -hmm. surprising team. Who do you think is going to exceed expectations this year? I think probably Burnley. I think they could be the um, sort of Fulham of this season, um, sort of mid-table. Yeah. Maybe do quite well at one point and then start to drop off towards the end of the season. Yeah, I would say the same. I think uh, this. I think there's a documentary. I think every fucking club seems to have a documentary. Remember, I think there's one that's coming out on Sky, I think, for Burnley. Okay. Um, and it, there was, part of it was focused around when they got their transfer ban last year. It was quite interesting watching the clip that I saw where a company was talking about 
the transfer ban and the, the, he was telling the players what was going on yeah. and stuff like that. It was quite interesting. Amazon have got the Newcastle one coming out. Yeah, they're all at it, aren't they? I'm looking, mm. looking forward to the West Ham one. I really want to see the United one. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, Burnley, I think, is a, is a great shout for, for um, playing over and above um, their station, if you like. Um, I'm going to say, I'm going to say Chelsea. Yeah. Because even though the expectations are probably fairly high anyway, I think if you got if you compare last season to this season, I think there's going to be a, f- a significant jump mm. uh, in terms to not only their position but their overall quality, um, you know their their appeal on the eye, if you like. So I think Chelsea are going to be one to watch this season for that reason. Um, outside of that, as a outside bet, looking at some of those other teams there. I'm not sure there's any I would say right there that I would say I I would expect them to be higher or lower than where their expectations are, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like I expect Everton to be down the bottom. I'm not expecting them to do well. Yeah. I'm not expecting Palace to be anything other than a mid-table team, for example. So at Newcastle Villa, I'm expecting them both to be up the top. So yeah, I would say I think if it's not Burnley, and I do agree with you, I think Burnley could be in for a good year. I think they'll, they'll surprise a lot of people. Um, then uh, Chelsea would be my next um my next bet. One for the most disappointing team actually I didn't think it was Wolves. Mm. I think they could be in trouble, a bit of trouble yeah. this year. Um losing Jimenez, I'm not sure they really signed there and they lost um, Ruben Neves as well, yeah. which is a big yeah. loss. So I think they could be in a spot of bother this year. Uh and finally then most uh, surprising new signings. So who do you think is going to be the best new signing of the season so far? Who do you think is going to really set the league alight? Potentially, the RB. Yeah, it's really annoying. You keep saying the ones. <laughs> keep saying the ones I'm thinking of. Yeah, I agree. I think Musa Diaby has got all that. Like he, I think he got nine goals and eight assists in 33 games in the Bundesliga last mm. year when I, when I was looking. Um, everyone was saying that whilst he's not the fastest player in the world, he's got like explosive pace. He's he, tiny. He's like five foot five. Yeah, so. he's got like over over like a ten yard mm. area. He's really sharp yeah. with the ball. Um, so I. I think that is a really, really good shout. Um, elsewhere, um, new signings. I think, ironically, even though I said Sandra tonight, I actually think Harvey Barnes yeah. at the other end of the scale for Newcastle, mm-hmm. I think could be brilliant for for them, especially as they've lost St. Maximan to, yeah. um, to another Saudi Arabian club. Another one like Chelsea, where it's a bit question mark mm. about the motives there. But I think Harvey Barnes going in, I don't necessarily think it's an upgrade on St. Maximan because on his day, St. Maximan was unplayable. But I think the consistency you'll get out of Barnes compared to Maximan yeah. will make a big difference to Newcastle. Um, so, yeah, I'll probably say Harvey Barnes would be my player to watch. Um, maybe one of either on Cuckoo or Jackson. Yeah. Um, could be could be massive and maybe Madison. for uh, There was another player that Spurs signed today, actually, or about to sign. Dutch player, I can't remember what his name is. Um, he was in there. He was in the ground for when they smashed Shakhtar the other oh, okay. day. Um, so it's like fifty million or something. I can't remember what his name is. Is he a centre back? No. Let me find. Let me quickly uh, click on Spurs for a second. Uh, where is he? He's got to be in it. There you go. Van der Ven. All right. Um, he's a defender. Mickey Van der Ven, forty-three million potentially. Interesting. Um, from Wolfsburg. So yeah, it's another one to come in. So yeah, there you go. So those those are our picks for the most disappointing team new signing, and then the opposite, the surprising new team uh, or surprising team and surprising new signing. 
Let us know what yours are in the comments on social media. Uh, send us an email if you want to show with thekickabout.co.uk. Let us know on YouTube as well, because obviously these podcasts are going to go out on YouTube. Um, hopefully very soon you'll actually have pictures of us, a video of us talking about all this stuff as it goes along, rather than just a static logo that you're looking at right now. Um, but uh, yeah, thank you very much, everyone, for listening. We'll be back next week. Um, we are, we should be recording on the Sunday with a view to going out on the Monday morning now from this point forward. If that changes, we'll let you know. Um, but otherwise, yeah, we'll see you then. And we'll be reviewing the first weekend of Premier League football. Thank you very much. And we'll see you then. See you later. Mm-hmm.